0: Live. Any additional fragments of silicon should be swept up and placed in the appropriate receptacle.
1: Salutations, everybody, and welcome to a slightly delayed episode of Fragments of Silicon. Uh, yeah, we had some tech failure before the show started, and I'm kind of in a bad mood because of it. Um, joining me in the studio, as always, are Golic. Hello. Petty fan.
0: Must kill technology. <laughs> an ogre. The Luddites were right. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: more on that in a bit, but uh, time to get with us. Peanut galleries spill their beans for the week. Oh, go run and you go first. They are
0: legumes, aren't they? (laughs) It all works out. Uh, Let us see. It is very cold right now because it decided to snow overnight. Which wasn't that bad in our area. I can still see grass poking out, but they still had to close the school, so which doesn't make that much of a difference to me. But uh other than that, yay, some snow for once. <laughs> you have to shovel it. Uh took care of that earlier. It was, it was so it's that it was that loose snow that you might I think actually some areas around here use leaf blowers and took care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh let's see. We recorded on Monday, thankfully, before the snow, so which is weird.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's surprising how many videos you get out when you have the dungeons that take long enough to be split into two videos. Mm. And uh, doing some pretty good progress through Ocarina of Time. I'm kind of oh. surprised how fast you can get through the game. I'm kind of not used to that.
1: Well, you still have to do a 100% stuff. So yeah, there's that too.
0: Yeah. yeah, but when you know what you're doing and you're going directly to it and you're not just taking your time and messing around, it's a lot faster. Yeah, surprisingly, I did the fire temp We did the fire temple, and I have not played the game in a while. And I actually got through it pretty quickly. I was like, huh, remember oh, that yeah. surprisingly well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. uh Anything else? Anything else? Uh, Grandia should be coming to an end soon.
1: Yeah, I, I was actually talking to Nata about that earlier in the evening.
0: Uh has he got
1: close to... He's, he's either at the end or has finished recording it. Uh, he's finished
0: recording it. Finished recording it, that's what I thought. Yeah,
1: he said he, he said he found the ending not as dramatic as he remem- remembered it. Uh,
0: strange how we grow up and it yeah. turns out not everything's that great. And Hacking the beanstalk
1: is stupid. And he also remarked that the game wasn't as long as he remembered. I remember the game being pretty short for an RPG, honestly. It's
0: weird. It's weird when you say short for an RPG, but.
1: Well, it's like I managed to take this out in a
0: weekend. Yeah. Uh, and uh yeah. Paper Jam comes out soon, which I'm kind of. Well, I'm not shaking with anticipation because I'm kind of. Curious how I'm going to go, when I'm going to get it. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: somehow all the preview stuff has managed to quell my thirst for a while. Mm-hmm. And I guess my car's finally working now because I guess the battery went out for a bit and had to get a jump. But now apparently something with the exhaust is working up. So if it ain't one thing, it's another. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. But this is like a 20-year, almost like an over 20-year-old car here. So and mm. shit is about down, uh, bound to break down.
2: Mm. And uh, now I'll throw it over to uh, Daleks
0: just to see. Snow here has been pretty reasonable so far. We got a little bit uh, this past weekend. Oh yeah, I saw Star Wars this past weekend. It was while it was snowing, actually. There was more snow when we left, or than when we got back than when we left, so. Uh, the movie was good, but I won't talk about it here, but I can see that. So yeah, there's a reasonable amount. It actually has been blowing around a lot, so clearing hasn't actually been particularly helpful because it's been very windy and cold more than it has been snowy. Um, not much exciting on the video game front for me, so I guess we will pass it to Pettyfan. Um, we've also been getting a great deal of snow here. Um, yeah, because you have to deal with another pipe thing. Yeah, I guess last night into this morning, um, another pipe froze in the house, so we've been trying to thaw that out. Seriously, if I ever find the person who decides to put pipes in exterior walls with no insulation, I will strangle the life out of them. That's not something you do in a cold place. No,
1: that that makes sense here, where... You know if it snows, it's probably the end of the universe, <laughs>
0: yeah, if it snows in Florida, you have bigger problems than it's snowing, yeah, I mean well, maybe
1: the pan, yeah, maybe the Panhandle area, but you know down in Tampa, it hasn't snowed here since like the the seventies.
0: I'd say yeah. something about mountains, but mountains, Florida,
1: yeah, mountains are uh, mountains in Florida don't
0: really mix. <laughs> If you got snow down there, you could just probably assume the rest of us died because it in the ice age. Yeah. Once again, yeah.
1: if you're talking about mountains, you're talking about the the extreme northern part, You know, the panhandle. Right. You know, down uh, you know down in you know I guess Florida proper. Yeah, there it's flat. It's very very flat here. Um,
0: it's flat and hot.
1: Yeah, and muggy. Oh God, can't forget that humidity. <laughs> Anyway, so continuing this report on the weather
0: channel. <laughs> um, outside of us expecting more snow tonight, not a whole lot's going on. I'm just playing some video games, getting back into Final Fantasy XIV. I noticed that I like I like the helmet from that Alexander set. It's like it looks like X Death armor design, kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, the helmet I have now looks like I stole it from Sauron. Yeah, it's that ten. I don't know if updated recently. Yeah, you get like the full um, set. You look like a like either Galvez or XZ. And also getting ready to do void arc, which is going to be fun. Always fun. Void arc uh, online. Anyway, next.
1: I guess that's me. Well, <laughs> right now I wanted to. I want to wipe Skype off the face of the planet, because Skype has become a huge piece of bloatware over the years. And, you know, just as I was starting to call everyone, it crashed, and it wouldn't open. So I had to do a full system reboot, you know, and when Windows came back on, it, as it turns out, it was doing some updating, and it made everything slow as fuck, and it made Skype semi-freeze for a good half an hour. So that's why we're running uh It's about 9.30 at this recording, so we're running a bit late. Usually the technical problems affect the Friday show, but, you know, every so often, um, you know, we get it here. It's just, you know, this time with Skype. Uh, uh, with that in mind, I think it's time we get to the interview. Because, you know, because we're already running behind schedule. All right. Uh, so this... We, we're uh, joined by Rob Irving of Descendant uh, Studios. That's me. Yes. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I am not worrying about snow.
0: <laughs> okay. You're in Texas, right? Yes, Austin, Texas. It is it is cold here. Well, what what Texans call cold, but it's not. Um, yeah, it's not really cold to it, other it, people. It's what Texans call cold, which means you might feel a little bit chilly if you go outside in shorts and a t-shirt. I'm actually wearing a a, uh, short sleeve shirt and a sweatshirt, and that's it. (laughs) I'm I'm okay with cold.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's about how cold it is here. Now it's like we got the heat on, and it's like maybe in the 40s to 50s, but I'm like, that's cold for the south, not cold snow
0: cold. I laugh at what you call cold. He's in the Midwest, so... We're a bunch bunch of weenies down here in Texas, okay? Of course, we interviewed some guys from Finland yesterday, and they're like, oh, it's like, what, negative... It was like, what, negative 20? Yeah, Yeah, negative negative 30 Celsius, which is... It's it's, it's really cold. Yeah. That's (laughs) pretty much just insane. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yes, but... Anyway, so... uh, Beginning things properly, as yes, we like to ask well, pretty much everybody who comes on the program, uh, how did you first get interested in video games?
0: Well, uh, probably the same way a lot of people who do this job, which is I uh, played a lot of them, uh, a whole lot of them. I mean, we had an Atari uh, 2600 back in the day, and uh, any of my friends that had PCs, because we had a PC junior and that just didn't have any games, but my friends had PCs or, or Macs or, or Apples, I'm sorry, not Macs back then. Um, we play on their game, their machines, too. Plus, uh, some of my friends, back in high, in elementary school, we used to sit around on the bus on the way to school, and we'd, we'd design Atari games. So, I, I basically had been interested in it all along, and uh, when I got out of school, out of college, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. Fortunately, Origin called me right about that time, because I had a friend from school who had gone to work there, and they said, hey, you, you want to be a, a TDA? And I'm like, Whatever that is, yes. <laughs> the, the rest is history.
1: Well, what did it, what did it turn out to be?
0: Okay, so TDA, uh, Origin, there was no, no such thing as a game designer really back then um, at Origin. Uh, we, we developed that department actually while I was there, all of, all of us designers. TDAs are Technical Design Assistants, and basically what that means is, A, you get paid crap, and B, you do all the – stuff that programmers don't want to do. That's, that's basically what it came down to. I mean, ah, I was working for Chris Roberts at the time, so he was still the designer-designer, but we were, we were building all the nuts and bolts of the game. Oh, did, you, did you meet Chris Roberts? Oh, yeah, I worked for Chris. so okay. I, I met Chris plenty. <laughs> we worked a lot of hours. That was on Strike Commander. That was my very first game that I made, so we worked a lot of hours on that game.
1: Wow. That, uh, did you work on Wing Commander?
0: I worked on Wing 3, Wing 3 3DO, Wing 4, a little bit, and Prophecy. Nobody tell Mac about this. Tell <laughs> <laughs> about um, what? I don't remember what we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. call,
1: call. Yeah. Anyway, um, so what was it like designing games back in the, the early 90s?
0: Honestly, not a huge amount different than it is now, other than you know the tools are so much better. We used a bunch of homegrown tools back then, so... You know, whatever language you were using to re- script missions, for instance, was whatever the programmers had come up with to make it work. So now that, you know, I can use in Unreal or, you know, any of those type engines, it's a lot easier because it's consistent. Uh, but as far as the concepts and everything, I mean, you still evaluate things the same way. You don't change how you develop a game just because you can push more polys now. That's the artist's job. All we do is say, this is how we want it to work. These are the rules. It's fun. And that's been the same all along. Yeah.
1: And what was it like working with uh, f
0: That part I didn't do much with. I mean, I was, I was at the home office and not, uh, not out at the set. But um, at the time, it seemed like the coolest thing ever. I mean, it's, it was just so groundbreaking that we were doing this practically movie. I mean, not counting like... Uh, what was that crazy 3 do game with Dana Plato that had that was all video? <laughs> uh, Night Trap. Thank you, Night Trap. <laughs> I mean, not the same thing.
1: No, <laughs> uh, no, it was not. But uh, you know, Wing Weapon* 3 had plenty of movies,
0: uh, had
1: like uh, movie portions in it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then the the fact that we had a decent cast and you know there were people i had heard of working on the game which up until then all of our voice acting had been mostly done by like local comics um who needed an extra buck so they did voice work for us all the time but yeah this was this was a huge deal and you know we all we're all a little starstruck of course cuz Mark Hamill yeah, well did you got I uh, to meet uh Mark Hamill yes he actually came to the origin offices and met us so oh. he's, he's very short what do you like he, he seemed really down to earth. He was pretty cool. I mean, obviously, his personality has come out a lot more of late as far as, you know, Star Wars was all we knew him for. And then, like, doing the voice of the Joker, for instance. That's, he obviously has a, a, a very deep inner nerd. <laughs> so it was, he, was, he was very down to earth. He was,
1: was pretty cool. I can imagine. Yeah. And uh, you also worked on the 3DO version?
0: Yes! Oh, goodness. One of the few games that I worked on that I actually shipped art in. Don't tell anyone. But, uh, yeah, we had to take all the ships from Wing 3 and dumb them down. So I spent a lot of time um, removing polygons from ships with a very, very new 3D tool, because, I mean, this is one of the first games with actual 3D spaceships in it. Um, that we had built it internally. And so I went in there and stripped them down and made ships into, like, 12 polygons, <laughs> which nowadays just, it, it, it staggers the mind that that could even happen. I'm like, like Nowadays, something on 12 polygons wouldn't even show up. <laughs> it, it's a menu object at that point. <laughs> 12
1: polygons, that's an art style.
0: Yes, that's, that's, we're going retro.
1: <laughs> back
0: to the ugly age and I made some buttons for menus too I think but that, 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 was a, that was the extent of my art in games I am the worst artist period that I know of even my whiteboard art is terrible So, um, that, I, I like to tell designers you know, you know, young people who want to be designers when they ask what they need to know I'm like everything you need to be do- able to do everything in a game because the more you know the easier you are to hire and I can do pretty much everything, but I can't do art. Mm-hmm. Nope. So art is a different kind of talent. <laughs> yes, it is a different kind of talent, but I have met some designers, you know, they want to be game designers, but they can also build their own levels and then do the artwork for it. I'm like, that, that is supremely hireable.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that's how it worked back in the day.
0: You know, uh, programmers were
1: also artists, not always by choice. Yes. Yeah, some, some of them weren't,
0: but they tried really
1: hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes, they did now um, next up
0: you worked on Wing Commander 4 I worked. I only worked on Wing Commander 4 briefly because that was in between let's see after Pacific Strike after Wing 3 I moved on to it all runs together in my mind now um, I think I might have been Prowler at the time which never saw the light of day but it was a, our met game um We worked on that for a good long time before it got scrapped. But uh, they needed some help because I was the only person who still knew how to use the tools from Strike Commander in Wing 3 to lay out missions. So I laid out the ground missions, which a lot of people have never forgiven me for, actually, on Wing 4. Um, There are people who who felt like the the ground missions were unfairly hard because I didn't really feel that responsible to it. It's like, I'm just stepping in temporarily here. So, you know, if it's super hard, hey, not my problem, not my game. Fair enough. I
1: mean, it, you're just the messenger, as it were.
0: Right, right. I, and no one complained in the office, so I figured they were fine. But partially it was because no one knew how to fix it. I was the only one who could build anything. So You get what you get, guys. You only have me for a short time. I'll, I'm going to hurry through this. Duly
1: noted. Oh, well, in your estimation, what is the best Wing Commander game?
0: Oh, that's not really fair. Yeah, you must make me pick between my children. <laughs> well, I mean, you could argue that it's Wing One because it's just that it's the groundbreaking one. But I mean, I I still my favorite for the combat, which I no longer care as much about the movies as I did back on Wing Three. My favorite is still Prophecy, honestly, because that was us carrying the torch after Chris left. We're like, no, we're still going to do Wing Commander. <laughs> oh. But um, Wing Three was super cool too. I think it, it's better than four.
1: Mm. Uh, My favorite is probably one that most won't pick, uh, Privateer. Does that count as a Wing Commander? uh, It's got it in the name. I mean, I understand it's not a mainline title, but,
0: you know. Privateer is awesome. I wasn't considering that as a a possible option here. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. It's it's funny because I worked on both Wing Commander Online and Privateer Online while I was at Origin, both of which lasted six months to a year and then got scrapped, but... We, uh, I actually brought a huge amount of what I had, had been working on for, for uh, Privateer Online in my head when I w- went to work at Cloud Imperium on uh, Star Citizen. So it was like, this is the game we were trying to make 10 years ago, <laughs> 15 years ago. It's been a long
1: time. Indeed. Uh, anyway, uh, shifting back to Wingsmander Prophecy, Prophecy, uh, what did you do on that project?
0: Um, I was basically, I would call, I guess, a senior designer at that point. I'm not sure I was quite lead designer because we kind of split. Our director did a lot of design work too because he came from that, that realm. Um, but I did, um, a lot of the mission stuff. I helped design, I mean, the core game rules, that, that stuff mostly came from me and Billy Kane. um, We came up with the idea of all these novel new ship concepts, like the ship that could pull the three together and become the super cannon, and the one that had all the little orbiting ships around it, the Manta. Um, And then we got uh, Sid Sid to come in and do the actual ships, which they were cool. And by then we were starting to push more poly, so they actually looked pretty good too. But uh, yeah, then it was mission layouts and and the second unit script, for which I'm very sorry. Mm. Turned out I wasn't as good of a, a second unit game chatter writer as I thought I was. And listening to some of it nowadays is just great. Ah, uh, old chain. Yes. Oh, oh, the pain. <laughs> I think 500 taunts, they eventually get really bad. I'll take your word for it because that is a lot of taunting. It is. Well, I mean, each character has to have their own unique flair. But first you have to come up with all these characters and you have to have personalities and all that. And it it's um it it can be a little little difficult. It's a lot of fun, like the first two characters. Then you get to character five and you're like, I don't care what this guy says. In fact maybe he's mute. (laughs) (laughs) Screw it, everyone's mute moving on. Exactly. It's like, Well the radios are broken,
1: sorry. Yeah, they're from a race that can't speak. Moving on.
0: Yeah, it's like week two, you get really frustrated. You're like, guys, you know, why would they talk to you on your radio anyway? They're busy. I'm not taunting the aliens. They're not listening.
1: Yeah, right. So at Origin, did you just work on Space Sims?
0: No, well, I mean, I started on on Strike Commander and Pacific Strike, so Mm -hmm. we're flying. (laughs) But then I worked on Longbow and, hey, wait, another flight sim. Oh, weird. I was on Ultima Eight for a day, and <laughs> even so, my condolences. Yeah, didn't last very long. Well, it wasn't really my choice, so I, I, I informed them that they, we had our first meeting, that, uh, our first uh, team meeting that I was on. I walked in there and said, "Hi guys, I'm on your team now. My resignation letter's on Richard's desk," and then walked back out. <laughs> Knowing how Ultima Eight turned out, I don't blame you. <laughs> He got me on Wing Commander me the chance to do it again, I'd do it again. <laughs> yeah. that, that got done on Wing Commander Online, actually. Not proud of it, but hey, sometimes you got to make them appreciate you. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I don't even remember
1: Wing Commander Online.
0: Because it didn't happen.
1: <laughs> that would explain it.
0: I think that design doc was only about 90 pages. The, the Privateer Online design doc was 270 pages when we got done with that one. Uh, well, when we got done with that project. Not done with the document. Mm-hmm. Well, did you end up on, like, Ultima Online? I did. That was, that was my last project at Origin, actually. was I, I finished up working on Ultima Online. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, just as a designer, I bounced around from position to position because I moved from team to team. I was, like, the closer at Origin. When, when my project would end, somebody would pull me onto their team to help them finish their project. So whatever title was available, that was the one I took.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, you know, I was... Great assistant. for building a resume, cough, cough. Well, it depends. <laughs> yes. It's like, can you stay in one job for more than a year? Nope, not really. Like, assistant producer here, associate producer there, designer, lead designer, wait, back to assistant associate producer, whatever. <laughs> it never works. So yeah, I worked on Ultima Online for, yeah, I don't know, six months, I guess. And I built this awesome alchemy system that we didn't even implement, but even a quarter of. Oh. It was super, super, super detailed, And everybody thought it was cool, and we got about as far as potion kegs, and that was it. <laughs> That's a shame. Well uh, what was it like working on such an early MMORPG?: You know, honestly, it it I think that almost killed RPG, MMORPGs for me entirely. Yeah, I, I could very rarely play them anymore, so it's, it just I was working more than 100 hours a week on the game, and there were 10,000 people playing the same amount of time trying to break it. I'm like, I cannot keep up with this wave. But it also teaches you just how awful people can beat each other. (laughs) Really, really, especially in games. That was one of those first, net anonymity makes people into bad people.
1: Was mm-hmm. uh, that person using a flame spell against Lord British? Oh God, he's dead!
0: <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, somebody messed up on that one. Forgot to check the invulnerability box.
2: Whoopsie!
0: <laughs> I think that was one of my favorite pictures from Final Fantasy XI. Was somebody took a picture of a dead GM because they forgot to put their invincibility script back on? <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Hey, I those are the things that make you infamous.
1: Yes, it, it, yes, they are. Like um, the that virus that hit WoW that one time.
0: Oh, the plague.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: you. am yeah. talking about. That the was truly plague? awesome. We actually had the same problem on Ultima Online. We had the the, the slime plague.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: That's why they don't divide anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Well, so yeah. once you crashed the servers twice, we're like, okay. Gotta find a fix for this. Uh, so not dividing was the fix.
1: Yeah. And this is why you can't have nice things online.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, some of it's ingenious. I mean, these people spend so much just boggling amounts of time trying to create super creative ways of getting around the rules. Like the guy who built the stack of mushrooms to walk up to fall through the roof of a house and steal all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you to stack up all those mushrooms? And, you know, that's what they
1: do. (laughs) If you
0: make something possible in a game, someone is going to do it way more than you intended to. We didn't know we made it possible. That's the point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, you got to remember that Ultima Online was, like, the first large-scale MMORPG out there. You know, this was the trailblazer before, not just like WoW, but before EverQuest
0: yeah yeah one Let me, the other one that was before us. there was one other that was wasn't ever very huge, but I can't think of the name of it now, yeah, but yeah we were like de- when when Rath Coster came with the idea and pitched it, he was basically he came from the mud world, so he had been playing text only MMOs. right, and so it's like we want to make a visual m m o wait what you <laughs> just had no idea what to do with it, they' were like. Sure, go go for it. We'll give you a, bu- a little budget. They expected they really. This is their initial projections where they thought that maybe they'd get five to twenty-five thousand people playing.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, that uh, the naive fools.
0: <laughs> Who knew? I mean, what what do you have to Meanwhile, go? Meanwhile, six blown-up servers later. <laughs> actually. <laughs> Your servers are never prepared on day one, no matter what you estimate. Oh God! I remember this final (laughs) fantasy. Rome is
1: burning. Rome is burning. (laughs) It looks like that one scene from Community. Oh. Okay, so um, what ended up uh, precipitating your egress from uh, Oregon?
0: Um, uh, layoffs. One of the great Christmas massacres, or, or another. I mean, we. We had kind of... Origin had been in, in sort of a slow downward spiral for a long time after EA bought us. Because, I mean, the simple fact of the matter was we were really, really, really terrible about hitting dates and budgets.
1: Mm. Um,
0: yeah,
1: I, I remember hearing a lot of uh, clashing with EA uh, over that, you know, as far as back as, like, 1992.
0: That right? was actually in a Crack article today. <laughs> really? Yeah, they were talking about the... Uh... Oh. Ultima Seven that the Guardian was based off of EA. <laughs> That's
1: not right. And that they Richard were
0: didn't like being told what to do. I mean, let's, yeah. let's be honest here. Most super creative types like that don't. Yeah. And it's, it's like
1: EA is the walking devil. Well, sure, but they weren't.
0: They weren't that terrible. All they were asking us to do was like you know project our timelines and budgets accurately, which. <laughs> Uh, I know, won't do learn that. that I picked producer. <laughs> I'm like, no, we want to project this accurately. If it's going to take you that long, that's fine. I'll tell them that. But don't tell me it's going to take you two days when it's going to take you two weeks. Uh, that's what gets us in trouble. Indeed. Well, uh, did you end up at Digital Anvil? No, I did not. Uh, they That train left actually long before I left Origin. I left Origin in 99, I guess. Mm. I was there for almost eight years. Um uh, They—that was when we did prophecy. Actually, that was when they all left to form Digital Anvil. Um, But I ended up when I got laid off. I went to work for 3D. I lost it. Oh, wow. Which was interesting. Oh, Oh. it sounds like there's a story here. It was an ill-fated platform. Well, I mean, no, the the console was cool because it had a a CD drive in it. It's like, wait, you could do that? Right, but by this point you can they put were games on discs. Oh, whoa! But they were also a seven hundred dollar console.
1: Well, yeah. Well, the ultimate problem with the three D O was uh, they had no software licenses to make up the costs. You know, because the three D O was basically rights sold to manufacturers.
0: Yeah. You no. Know, it, it, and whoever else did the, the units. Panasonic, I think, did the other one. But, uh,
1: there was Panasonic. There was uh, Gold Star. Gold Star. That was the other one. And there was Sanyo in Japan.
0: Yep. And it was, I mean, it wasn't a bad console, um, <laughs> other than the, the drive access was so slow. Yep. I mean, if you played Myst on the 3DO, it took, you could actually pause each time you turned a direction and it had to load the new screen up.
1: Yeah, we had somebody on uh, the sh- uh, show a couple months ago who
0: did some 3DO programming and they uh, remarked about the same about the system. Yeah, I mean it was it was neat I and mean, there were some excellent games on there. Return of Fire is still one of my favorite games of all time, and that's I mean that's 3DO only. They didn't have a lot of big name licenses. I mean the fact that they had Super Wing Commander and Wing Three, that was I mean that's the PC crowd, not the console crowd. Right. So you know they did not have a bunch of huge things. I mean, their biggest brand, I guess, was probably Army Men, which I worked on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Army Men actually came later. Like, like Army Men came out in, like, 97, I think, uh, after 3DO console was dead and buried. No, that was still around in 2000.
0: I was still making games on it in 2000. Really?
1: Like, I thought Studio 3DO was, uh, like, uh, software only at that point.
0: Um, Yeah, we were still making games for the console, but, yeah, the, the console was not selling at all. It never did. It it was maybe ahead of its time, but kind of like the the, uh, Gizmondo, which I worked on later. It's amazing how I get on technologies that are doomed. Uh,
1: You haven't been making anything for the Wii U or the Vita, have you? No, I have not. Ah, Uh, knock on wood. That hurt. That hurt really hard, Adam. Uh, Anyway, uh, so what what did you do with 3 do
0: um, I was a producer slash lead designer on, what did we make first? Warriors of Might and Magic, which was one of my favorite series of all time. So, like, oh, we're going to do a, like, action version of Might and Magic, which works out exactly as well as you'd expect it to. You know, it was, it was a fun little game. It was okay. It was, it's not like my least favorite game I've ever worked on. Um, uh, but, uh, and then we, we were doing an, an Army Men sequel when our studio shut down?
1: I'm like, I, uh, Sarge's Hero? Like,
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. It might have been Land, sea, and Air too. I don't remember. Yeah, They, like, they all ran together. But <laughs> it, did, it didn't get published.
1: <laughs> That's kind of the thing. By the end, uh, th- there were so many Army Men games, you couldn't tell them apart. Right.
0: It's like, these little plastic guys, and this one has boats.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, so after 3DO, where did you end up?
0: Let's see, 3DO, that was my first, okay, the job market in Austin is too too uh, difficult. I'm going to pack up and move across country. So I moved to California and worked for Universal. Oh, uh, oh, uh, Universal Interactive. Yep. Right as they were doing the split with NBC, actually, all that went down about then. Oh, oh right, uh,
1: so about 2006-ish? Uh,
0: 2002 was like when I got there. Right. And that actually coincidentally I was there. At the same time they released a little tiny game called World of Warcraft. So mm-hmm. Oh and the rest was history yeah. Every other game they were making of time basically got killed after that. <laughs> it's like, nope, don't need to do anything else. Yeah. We've made the- our mint in- anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I think they just admitted defeat at that point. Well, did you work on uh, Wow or I did not. I let's see. I produced this is going downward on the the list of my favorite projects I ever worked on. I produced uh Lord of the Rings titles. Oh. Um we had the now we had the book license, not the movie license. I remember this. This this was confusing to many people including me. <laughs> but um yeah, working with that—that that is probably the most difficult licensing I've ever worked on. So you can use Aragorn, but he absolutely can't look like Viggo Mortensen. Absolutely. Well, and Gandalf can't look like a guy in gray with a long white beard and a pointy hat. What the heck are you going yeah, to do? Yeah. Get, well, that's the problem with casting someone who basically looks exactly like Gandalf. It's like, yeah, they actually have Gandalf in the movie. We're just—they—they they just borrowed ours. Son of a bitch! That's from Odin. That's like public domain at this point. <laughs> Your orcs can't look like orcs either. And I'm like, what? Ah. Oh, my God. Okay, so How... it's just the pig orcs that they use in Japan. And uh, Gandalf has a tiny nose. Bucket, <laughs> yeah. we're doing a Legend of Zelda thing with Lord of the Rings now.
1: That's pretty much what happened, because uh, they released a the Hobbit, and it was pretty much a Zelda clone.
0: Yeah, I, I only I remember, remember that game. Hobbit. My, my special thanks in the credits is because I tested it, and... and uh, and help them with some pointers on the game development. But I think they actually have that Hobbit game somewhere around here. Oh! The the uh, first con- contribution I made to the Hobbit was, I was in the very first level, I was, it was a Friday afternoon, they had sent it over to us to, for me to look at, and I'm running around in this little fenced-in area right outside the door of of, uh, of your house, right? Bag end. And I realized that the little crystals are respawning at about the same pace as I'm running. And so I'm just I'm picking up infinite muscles. So I took a rubber band, and I tied the controller up to the left and left it over the weekend.
2: <laughs>
0: I came back on Monday. It was still running, so that was a good, you know, stability test. <laughs> and I had 37 lives. Oh, and I told God. them that, I'm like, you might want to slow this down a little bit. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, so did you work on any uh, Crash or Spyro games?
0: No, I did not. Damn. <laughs> I, I worked on Lord of the Rings until that, that uh, line uh, was killed off. In fact, I was actually producer for a Lord of the Rings game that Eric's group was working on down here in Austin
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, when uh, my second year in L.A. But I was spending a lot of time in Seattle because the two Lord of the Rings games, uh, Fellowship of the Ring games, were a little um, troubled. <laughs> Partially because of licensing, partially because, you know, remote teams that were pretty new. I um,
1: remember, like, uh, that, that Lord of the Rings game being pretty buggy.
0: Yeah, well, the Xbox one versus the, the PlayStation one, they were both very different games, too. Um, I will not play favorites. <laughs> They're they both my children, no matter how ugly or misshapen they may have been. Um, but, yeah, they, they were, there there were was some bugginess, Um there, it, it just it it never felt quite right. Um, I spent a good 250 days of that year in Seattle working with one developer or another, um, and you know we were trying to keep it on the rails and try to you know get it done because they were missing milestones and everything. And you're like, well, there's only so much we can do. You don't get paid until you get this stuff done, um, but. The game overall, given the restrictions we faced, I think was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad game. It just didn't live up to my expectations because it was Lord of the Rings, and I'm a, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings goober. So yeah. it, was, and it was disappointing in the face of the movies. so that make, made it even harder because their games were pretty cool.
1: Mm. I, I, I do remember the EA games and you know, not for nothing liking them better.
0: Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I, I am not hurt by that even a little bit because <laughs> I liked them better too. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult working with big licenses like that, especially in a situation like this where they've actually forked the license and no matter what you do, you're going to be... you're going to have difficulties.
1: Yeah, I'm like, that, that's just weird. We got the book license, and...
0: I don't know who came up with that. I really don't. No idea. <laughs> and I want to smash them with a mallet. Well, I mean, admit we could use content that... The movies hadn't covered. which Of course, I thought of nobody movie. went out of their way to do a Hobbits movie at all. Well, that yeah. happened, well that
1: happened much later.
0: That, that would have been offered. Yeah. The, uh, the Hobbit movies? No, no, no. We, we, they are they are dead to me. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I mean, part of the uh, part of the reason why the Hobbit movies took so long to get to the screen was that there was a licensing dispute between MGM and New Line. Joy. <laughs> yeah. Always <What> <laughs>
0: licensing. It's, all, it's amazing how properties like that can be so difficult to, to navigate. Yes. Yeah. But the other reason it took so long is because they forced him to make three movies. Actually, that was his idea, apparently. Like, no, not according to everything I've read. He almost walked out when they said it was going to be a trilogy. Like, and if you look at the books set, stacked side by side, The Hobbit is like a third of the size of one of the volumes of Lord of the Rings. I know. Yeah, they used they used uh, liberal amounts of Silmarillion padding, and then some stuff that they just made up. So they pulled a bunch of stuff from the appendices of Lord of the Rings because they hadn't used those yet. Oh, it. yeah, so, that yeah. too, yeah. I guess hey. it's good that Radagast the Brown
1: finally made his screen debut.
0: No, that was that was completely like a one-sentence mention in, in The Hobbit. <laughs> one sentence, and he turned into Jar Jar Binks of the Lord of the Rings franchise. But yeah, the back part of the Return of the King mostly. Uh, there is a lot of appendices in that.
1: Yep. And they, yet, the, Tom Bombadil still didn't make it, make it on screen.
0: Oh, but Tom <laughs> no, like, Bombadil.
1: <laughs> one at yep. time. One at a time. It would totally break the Im- immersion. I know. I'm just saying. You know, they brought in everything else, basically.
0: So Radagast the Brown gets a mention, but the other Blue Mages don't.
1: Well, they could be—they could have been their own characters because that's all they were—just two blue
0: mages. Uh, Gandalf himself admits that he doesn't remember their names whatsoever because they're so bland. <laughs> I am Wizard the Blue, and this is Wizard the Other Blue.
1: We'll just call it Blue One and Blue Two. Yeah, yeah, and now we're Doctor Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> is Blue Two also called Blue Thunder. Oh. oh. Uh, anyway, right. so uh, uh, poor Betty fan just can't get
0: beyond Thunderdome.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, so, did you work uh, on anything, any other games, any other licenses at Universal?
0: Yeah, actually, um, they the we finished the, the first Lord of the Rings games, and they transferred me to Seattle. Yeah. Worked at uh, Sierra, and the day I got there, my bo- new boss said, "Hey, um, by the way, they canceled the, the Lord of the Rings games." <laughs> All of them. I'm like, hey, wait, well, what am I going to work on then? Why am I up here? And he said, "Well, you can work on SWAT 4, or you can work on SWAT 4." I'm like, All right, I oh, am. Range of options. SWAT 4. I love SWAT 4. Actually, it's one of my favorite games I ever made.
2: Mm.
0: SWAT 4 is a very underrated game. Although it is unique in its style of gameplay. That's what what made it fun for me. Is I mean, playing multiplayer in SWAT 4. Because you could humiliate the crap out of your opponents without killing them. <laughs> you like, fools. I'm gonna pepper spray you and zip tie you, and that is
1: cool. Oh uh, now I, I have the urge to quote from Spoonie. Oh. Uh, but it, yeah, Swordmark is a really underrated uh uh FPS. Uh yeah. like probably the best of the uh you know, SWAT spin off games. Yeah. Uh, did you ever play, like, like, SWAT 3 or, oh, God, the, the live-action one that was
0: fucking... Impi- I played SWAT 3. I did not play the live-action one because that, that looked like a, a bit of a mess. Oh, um.
1: uh, it's like... The, it's probably very realistic, but the problem was it was very realistic. There was kind of, there was kind of always the deal with police quests. You know, uh, back in the 80s, uh, police precincts actually used police quests as a uh, teaching uh, of rules and regulations. What do you mean I didn't read him his rights? That's, Come on! I, I think that was actually a thing you had to do.
0: It was a thing. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It was a thing. Yeah.
0: And it <laughs> was a frustrating attack when you forgot to follow procedure properly and you got dinged for it.
1: Yeah. It, it's like, oh,
0: it's like, but hey, hey, I, 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 that's kind of what they were aiming for. Well, that was the kind of the point. It's like, I'm not, I was working on, I'm not a huge shooter player especially now where they've kind of wandered into extreme violence uh, for the most part. And I'm like, I don't need that. I, I'll play them, and I don't mind. It's not like it, it upsets me, but I, I don't need that. And SWAT was, you know, you can't just run around and gun everything down and blow everything up. That doesn't work. And I, I, I admired that principle of the game, and the the fact that they took SWAT 3 and really, I think, improved on the execution in SWAT 4. Hmm. Was, uh, You know, that was... That was a a well-done game, and the non-lethal weaponry was a lot of fun.
1: Indeed, although a bit frustrating because, you know, very, very finicky with all that stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's like... uh, But, uh, so after SWAT 4, did you work on anything
0: else for Sierra? That's when Sierra shut down. I I was developing kind of a a complex that every company I worked at folded. Um... (laughs) Yeah, but they, they, uh, closed down Sierra. So I moved back to Austin to work for Eric again. Mm. Uh, I worked, I had met him at origin. I had produced for him at universal. Now I went back to be his, his lead designer slash producer at, uh, what it was then Gizmondo Austin. I guess it was Warthog studios before that, but it had been bought by Gizmondo before I got there.
1: Ah, yes. Gizmondo, uh, that's a that's a tale.
0: That right. is quite a tale. But honestly, the Wired article did such a good job of of covering it. I'm like, I, I that's all I do. I just point people to the Wired article. And like, yeah. Remember the Ferrari Enzo wreck? Yeah. Follow the chain.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, God, what was the guy's name that the who had the connections to the Swedish mafia?
0: Um, let's see. There was uh, you know, I I have to remember their names. Yeah. Stefan was our CFO, I think. Mm-hmm. He was the the mafia dub guy. Swedish Mafia.
1: I didn't even know that was a thing.
0: And, uh, what was our... Who was our, uh... I see... can't think of his name now. He was a character.
1: From the uh, Wired article, they they sounded like characters.
0: I mean, they turned out to be just complete crooks. I mean, there's nothing else to be said for it. When we finally started kind of digging through stuff and other people started digging through stuff... They were paying millions of dollars to imaginary companies that they owned to make games that we were making in Austin. What is this well, company then? that says, we're gouging them, we're gouging them? Ha ha, I can't believe they're buying this. We're gouging them. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> it's something out of Enron. I'm not joking. <laughs> like the, Enron did the same shit, and it, it, right down to having company, like a dummy company called, or a dummy uh, investor called uh, Mr. Mr. Y. Ass. No, my ass. It. Yeah. Not even joking about that. Anyway, um, so uh, when did you all go to make Star Citizen?
0: Oh, well, there's a significant gap in there, but uh, a significant gap, strangely enough, is uh, when I, I gave up on games, because when Gizmondo imploded dramatically, I, I like to say that the tale of my, my past gaming industry history is that each of my... Departures got worse and worse because it was like the origin was very friendly and you know, you know here's here, thanks good luck we'll we'll give you recommendations here's your severance <laughs> thanks for seven and a half years and then Gizmondo you know, was we're in a meeting room and the, they we're on the phone with the, the head office and they're like hey is the HR person there yet or that was uh, that was 3 deal, yeah and then uh, Sierra was the same thing it's like oh we're shutting down. <laughs> And then Gizmondo was, we're not paying you for two months. And now we're shutting down. So I was like, that's it. I- I'm done with games. I'm going to go get a grown-up job because I can't take this anymore. My my ego Aww. cannot sustain this. So I um went out on a limb and uh, through a friend of mine, I got a job at a company that did timesheet software as a programmer. So... I figured it was time to polish up my programming skills, so, and so I spent seven years making time sheets.
1: Hmm.
0: It sounds simulating, I know. Yeah,
1: I'm like, I'll admit that's kind of beyond the scope of this particular program.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's yeah, basically, uh, I was uh, thinking about getting back into games. It had been long enough that I'd almost forgotten, (laughs) and then Eric. Uh, here he comes again in the picture. It's amazing how much Eric is in the picture in the, my game industry history. He gives me a call one day as I'm getting on a plane to go to Disney World with my family or something. He said, hey, you want to come back to uh, make games again? We're working on this little game called Star Citizen and we need a lead designer. like, okay. That was, it. that was it. The conversation was like five minutes long. We worked everything out and as soon as I got back from vacation, came in and interviewed with Chris because apparently he had forgotten me. And uh, <laughs> that was that. Voila! I was the lead designer at Star Citizen. That was back when the team was only like 15 people. Oh geez, that's like
1: what back in the crowdfunding days, or you know the-
0: Yeah, we did. Just recently finished the crowdfunding. Um, so it was three months after that, I guess, when I got hired because they really just started building the team then. Hmm. Um, and we were in the little basement office in, in Austin. And Chris came to visit every, like, at least once a month, not twice a month.
1: Yeah, so So what was it like, uh, you know, uh, back in the saddle, back into video games, back making uh, Space
0: Sims? Well, I mean, I certainly felt a little fish out of water at first. I mean, it had been long enough that it's like, this is, a lot of this is new to me. Um, And part of it was just the, the fact that here I was 15 years later back in games and working on One of the games I tried desperately to make before, essentially, it's like all the things we wanted to do in Privateer Online we can do now. We really can. Um, So to me it was kind of like just getting back into the same space where I sort of started out. Um, And, you know, everyone had all these huge ideas. And, of course, Chris is is a massive dreamer. So (laughs) ideas are not in short supply. But... uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing, you know, just getting back into the, the swing of things.
1: Well, was it hard to acclimate?
0: Uh, it took, some things took a little longer than usual, but as far as what we were doing then, as far you know, really just sketching out the entirety of the game, that was right up my alley. It's what i had done all my life, so it was, that wasn't particularly new. Working with the cry engine was certainly a challenge because that was you know, leaps and bounds ahead of what I had worked on before, but um, and, and difficult to, to boot. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of what I was doing, you know, documents and uh, you know, pretty pretty little video graphs of the universe and things like that. Um, so, and, and wrangling up the design team. <laughs> you know, my stuff. My, my job was not difficult to adapt to. I had fun when I could actually get in there and, and break stuff in the game, but, you know, a lot of it was, was higher level. Yeah, And uh, how long did you work on Star Citizen? Let's see, that would be about two years, I think. And we grew from 15 people to more than 300. <laughs> and, you know, we had, you know, had like four different offices around the country, around the world. And and things had gotten a lot more big company-y. Involved well, a small company, E. I know those are not words, but I don't care. <laughs> um, At least are not using synergy, so we're fine. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no buzzwords allowed. I have a degree in English. I am allowed, I'm licensed in fact to make up words.
1: Okay, just as long as you don't have a blue screen of death. We, we already had that on our show once. <laughs> really? No, seriously, we had somebody who accidentally used the buzzword and just had a realization. Oh, my God, I've become what I never cared for.
0: Oh, no. That, that, that would be a heartbreaking moment. <laughs> and he's Especially like, in the middle of a podcast. Yeah, and he's just he's like, never again. I will never use that
1: word again.
0: Total meltdown. That's it. It's over.
1: Yeah.
0: My life is over. I am the thing I hate.
1: Yeah.
0: Took everything in strife, though, so that's what made it all so much better.
1: Yeah, I'm like, uh, anyway, so... so um there's certainly been a, like a lot of controversy around star citizen recently. (laughs) Yes. uh, My
2: answer to that question.
1: Yes. (laughs) I'm like, like I said, I don't know how much you can speak to that, but um, can you tell us any reason why you left uh, star citizen? Uh, Uh,
0: The simple answer is that, I mean, with things, you know, redistributed, easy for me to say (laughs) being redistributed around the world my position wasn't really the position it had been originally anymore and I felt like that to me wasn't doing myself justice so I decided that hey maybe now that I was I was old enough and and wise enough that maybe I'd try this startup thing because I never had Um, Uh so I walked out the door and I immediately got on the phone with Eric there he is again. <laughs> and said, okay, so what are you guys working on? Because I want to do it. And we we basically, I mean, it, that that deal was done right away. As soon as, so we talked to you like, yeah, come on board. We need you. And here I am making Descend. <laughs> well, uh, were
1: you there at the foundation of Descendant uh, Studios, or did you come along later? I knew about
0: it. Um, I was following along. Um, I think uh, I signed up on their website on, like, day two. Um but yeah I had talked to Eric a lot. I mean even even when he was you know when he was leaving Cloud Imperium um which we knew for a little while before he left. You know, he was talking about he really wanted to do a startup. He didn't know what he wanted to do yet. But you know, we still talked on the phone and everything and I anytime he, he wanted a, a sounding board, I was willing to do it. It's like you know <laughs> so he had already decided he was going to do a decent like game. And I'm like that sounds pretty cool. So let me know how it goes. <laughs> And then, you know, a few months later, I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I should actually go join them. And and there you go. Right. So. And
1: well, uh, do you know how they got the the descent license?
0: Um, basically a connection of a connection. Uh, one so of something the, about mob connections. Well, <laughs> no, 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 no Swedish mafia involved. Um, one of uh, the earliest backers or earliest. Uh, not backers, this was before backing, earliest uh, of people who followed Eric over when he started the new company, um, apparently had a connection to Irvay at, uh, at Interplay. And he said, well, you know, do you want to talk to him? And he apparently liked what we were talking about. So he said, well, why don't you make it an official and make it a dissent title? I mean, I still kind of like SCFU, but, um, you know, I'm okay with dissent it's it's pretty cool that we have I mean it's it's been a struggle to get that name back out there so it was kind of an honor that they considered us and said you know we think you guys can do this
1: indeed I mean I know that other people were vying for dissent.
0: yeah a lot of people were really mad at us because they thought it was our fault that they they had problems um, and it wasn't we had nothing to do with that um, <laughs> but like uh, I know that the guys at Soul Contingency were were basically doing a, a new descent. And they got their season desist from the Interplay before we came onto the scene. We didn't even exist as a company when that happened. It had nothing to do with us. Um, but I mean we we totally support their game. We I, we think it's great that there, there are people working back in this area again because it's, it's a very unique genre. Right. But you know, it's it's unfortunate that there's other baggage that came along with it. But mm-hmm. no, I mean, it's, I think the more the merrier. Indeed, They're like we have, to know, the people who uh, brought descent to steam
1: uh, way back when. Yeah. You know, and uh, they were trying to do a doom descent game, and you know that didn't happen for one reason or another. But, you know, it's, uh, it's good to see that somebody's bringing back Descent, because, uh, I don't know, did, did you play Descent back in the day?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one of the, those games that, that everyone stopped working for two weeks when it came out. That and Doom. There were, there were chainsaw battles up and down the halls of Origin. <laughs> All you heard was people yelling gleefully and not working, obviously. Yeah. But
1: uh, Incidentally, uh, since you're in the Austin area, did you ever meet, like, any of the Doom crew? I did
0: not. Although I, you know, I did. I did finally get uh, Romero reached out to me on, on LinkedIn and, and hooked up. So yeah. Oddly, cool.
1: yeah, oddly enough, we just had uh, Tom Hall on our program last week. Really? Yeah. And the week before, we did, we just did a huge two uh, part interview with him.
0: Actually, that's true. I had, I did meet Tom Hall briefly. <laughs> I, I didn't think about it that way. I didn't think of him as a, as a Doom person at the time. Yeah,
1: he did some level design. Like he was, his babies were more Wolfenstein 3D and Commander Keen.
0: Yeah,
1: but he did work on Doom. That's
0: Commander Keen. That's no.
1: <laughs> he. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. And what's it like working in a six degrees of freedom, as they call it? You know, versus like a three hundred and
0: sixty uh, versus a space. Thing? It is a. It actually is a significant adjustment to, the way you think and level building for sure. Um, certainly the the, sh- the stats and everything, which of course I love playing with spreadsheets, and, and anyone who knows me knows that that's like one of my favorite things in the world to do is spreadsheets of stats. But uh, the stats are affected by that because there's so much more you can do, and you have to react to that. But I think it's the level design that's the biggest challenge because. It takes a few, a few uh, whacks at it before you really start feeling like this level is a six-degree-of-freedom level as opposed to just a clone of any other shooter.
1: Uh, uh, well, if it makes you feel any better, I, I played around with the game uh, a few oh, days ago, and um, it certainly felt like a dis- uh, what you got there right now, it certainly feels like Descent. Like right down to, oh, which direction is up?
0: Yeah, the the new map that's on the proving grounds right now that is coming out probably next week to the the, the public um Taiko is the first map that I built that it doesn't matter. You there is there's no floor. who cares. It's it as soon as you start the level all the spawn points for each team face a different direction. Okay. So Two of you come Thinking in. Thinking of it in terms of up and down, and therefore you have already lost. Yeah, I know where the floor is because I built the maps, so I know which way down is, and I use that to orient myself in some of the maps. But in Tycho, you, you don't. You, you have no idea. Yeah. If you know which direction the different colored rooms are, then you might have a chance of remembering where the floor is. But it doesn't matter. It's a perfect three-dimensional level in the sense of you really you just fly. I played the original Descent once when I was little, and I'm pretty sure I never actually, or it took me certainly a long time, even if I did, figured out the actual go-forward button. I was just turning in place, <laughs> shooting at things. That doesn't sound like much fun. Well, I didn't really see the appeal of the game after that until I realized I wasn't actually moving. Oh, it's not a turret game? <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I I remember descent being quite a different experience back
0: in the- yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, re- I remember that it was it was really confusing at first.
1: Yeah.
0: Then, you had oh god, motion it. sickness. Why?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah there's that. I mean, that the fact that you would come into a room and you'd have to think that you had to look down for more of the level or up for more of the level, you know. And that's... you don't think of that, and you don't. Ex- especially with most of people's experience in games before that, you don't expect threats from above you or below you, and there they are. And I'll be honest, that's something I, I missed from
1: those kind of games, not just Descent, but uh, Terminal Velocity and uh, Forsaken, you know, any six-degree of freedom shooter, you know, you had the entire range to play around with, not just, you know, um, lateral movement.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, that's if I do my job well, mm-hmm. we will use that to the fullest. And especially when the single player comes around, I would definitely like to improve on that more than anything. And, of course, that's the long-term goals. But right. it's still, it's, it's, that is where I hope that we can really make it shine in, in that you will be surprised by where you're attacked from and how they attack.
1: Right. So the game is in early access right now. Yes,
0: yeah, it is in early access right now. It is all multiplayer except for the bots mode, which is our AI is mostly A and not much I. Right. Um, yeah. But kind of why I
1: didn't play the game for too long. That and my computer's kind of outdated for the game. Oh well, no! I got it to work, but it was kind of like being in a tumble dryer. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I was thinking of getting a new computer, but then Windows 10 came along.
0: I'm like, uh, I got to wait a couple years now. So, yeah, that's I am I am uh, holding off on that myself because I've I've put in for my free copies of Windows 10. Yeah. On my laptop and my work machine, but I have not taken them yet. I'm, I'm just ready. <laughs> you can do that. Because I've been do- I've been debating whether or not to update. You have to 10 do it before this sometime this summer. Yeah. yeah, the free—it's not going to be. Free oh, I was definitely going to do it before they started charging for it. Yeah, but you can sign up for it, and they will keep reminding you. But you do not have to install it. No. Yeah. Okay, they've been reminding me anyway, so. Yeah, they pester me almost like daily, with a little pop-up when every time I start my laptop. But you don't have to install it yet. Yeah. I, I'm giving them the the proper Microsoft seasoning period before okay. I I install it.
1: I don't blame you. I mean, I, I have Windows
0: 10 on my laptop.
1: My old desktop it is still Windows 7. because uh, That's just my backup unit now because I just use my laptop all the time now.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, honestly, I've, I know a lot of people who have already upgraded and have had no problems with it. So, yeah, I'm not having any issues with 10.
1: Yeah. I've had a few... I've had some issues with 10. Like, uh, sometimes the sound will cut out or uh, sometimes the toolbar won't work. You know, it's like... It, it, it's all... Quirks of the system, apparently.
0: Also, there's yeah. apparently a weird bug with some games that the that the sound goes completely nuts on 10. Yeah. That's fixed when you re-update your sound driver, because I had that problem and we re-updated it; it never happened again. Okay.
1: Anyway, so uh, getting back to Descent Underground, um, this is supposed to be a prequel uh, to the uh, 90s games, yes?
0: Yes, we are telling the tale of how we got to that state in Descent One, basically. Um, with you know, we have to kind of carefully skirt around specific terms because the license is split from the asset, mm-hmm. but we are still going to tell that story, um, mm-hmm. and we have some some good ideas of how we're going to set that up. Um, it should be, even though people know where it's going in a sense, which you know, sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: even if you know how how it ends up or how the next game starts. I think we're going to have a good enough pile of twists in there that it should be, it should be interesting.
1: Right. And uh, what,
0: what led you to do a prequel as opposed to like a uh, reboot? Um, it, 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 is there any difference really? I mean, if, if the prequel is when we get the final release out, if the prequel is wildly successful, I mean, we will continue from there. And at that point it essentially becomes a reboot, right? Um,
1: I, it's, I, I can't argue with that logic. It's just I wasn't sure if you, you were being a prequel, like, faithful to the
0: 90s games or whatever here. Well, I mean, we've already had to alter something. So there, in a way, we are in, rebooting the universe a little bit in the sense that, you know, the timeline has changed a little bit. And, uh, you know, the backstory we're filling in isn't going to conflict with what happens in Descent 1. Um it might make some more sense than some of the things that happen in the later descents, but um, but yeah, it's it's uh, if we only make one descent game and then we do something else, for instance, then I don't think there will be any discontinuity there. Um, so we're, we're leaving that option open to ourselves, I guess. It's, yes, it can still be a prequel, or it could be the start of a reboot.
1: Well, I suppose that brings up another question is, just how much do people care about the lore of Descent?
0: Uh, that has been a surprisingly diverse set of answers in our community. I mean, there are a bunch of players who have never played Descent, so a bunch of people who have never even heard of Descent, and obviously they don't care. There are a lot of players out there who don't care what the lore is anyway. It's like, how fast can I skip that? Um <laughs> But there are also a bunch of very, very passionate people who play Descent and love Descent. And, you know, some of them are fairly religious about it all. Um, you know, there are still people to this day who say, well, if there's no pyro, I don't want to play it. <laughs> I'm like, but how does that... You don't even see your ship!
1: How does that change your experience? I'm um, like, the, 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 the devout are strange like that, I suppose.
0: Uh, there There are, is there is a cult for almost everything on the internet and probably there is for everything. I just haven't found them all yet, but yeah, I mean, there's some people who are that passionate and there's not much you can do other than say, wait and see, please. And give it a try when, when it's ready. And yo, we're not done yet. Keep breathing, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You might be pleasantly surprised. You might still hate it. I'm sorry if you do, but I understand now that I've made games for a long time that, you are going to invariably not please everybody, especially the really passionate fans who have their idea of what your game is, whether or not it agrees with your idea.
1: Right. Well, uh, how many people are working on Descent right now?
0: Twelve? Uh, hmm. We're a tiny team. We're a tiny team, so everyone wears a lot of hats. I am the design team. Uh, Keith, our community coordinator, also is uh, our, uh, it's, it's doing some design. Uh, but I am basically all of the design team, uh, map building, stats, and backstory, and all that stuff, plus programming stuff as far as the blueprint that goes into the game. So yeah, I mean it's any any job can become a, become available at any time through one of our people, um, just whatever needs to be done.
1: Certainly a common story uh, on the indie scene. Yes, and it's
0: it, it's actually one of the things that I found. A, a good fit about this job. It's just what I wanted was to go back to that, that indie feel because I liked the way that felt at the beginning of star citizen. Um, and I, I missed that particularly about the game as it got later on.
1: Well, uh, do you still keep tabs on star citizen?
0: I check in on their updates every now and then. I haven't actually played it since they released the PTU or whatever, the, the persistent universe mini. Um, I know it's got a long way to go still, so I think that's when I'm going to wait until I can build a new PC.
1: (laughs) Well, at the rate Star
0: Citizen is going, that might be 2020. That's fine, because that's probably when I can afford to build a new PC. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. And and Windows 10 will be ready.
1: (laughs) Oh, but um, in one way, uh, um, Descent Underground is uh, preparing for the future, is it's got VR mode.
0: Yes, sir, and no, I do not <laughs> um yeah, uh, I think it's super fabulous the the concept um mm-hmm. my brain does not process v r mode well, it does not like I'm um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of v r but that seems like I like the kind of game that it would be good for. At it least. is perfect for our game it, it- it honestly gives you a slight advantage if you can get over the fact that you're queasy all the time no. um
1: yeah. That, that's kind of the that's kind of the trade-off here I mean yeah VR would be a, especially if you're, you're using utilizing the full 360 degree range yeah um, would be perfect for one of those headsets but on the other hand the motion sickness oh
0: god the motion sickness it's bad enough just playing the game regularly for some people I mean some people just cannot play the game literally because it's it's makes them sick um, right. I believe it and- but VR mode I can only imagine that that's you know for some people that's got to be multiplied by it. i know I, I i don't get sick i just my brain rebels against the concept because it it knows that that's not what i'm doing <laughs> it's like no you're not flying around you're sitting in a chair
1: yeah. what,
0: what what are you doing <laughs> but um well yeah so when we took it to rooster teeth um mm-hmm. the expo we uh we had the VR headsets there, and that's all, all people were lining up for. I mean, we were the, we were the game on the floor at RTX. And uh, tons of people were playing VR, and only a handful of them actually had to quit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Apple ran <had> the bucket. <laughs> uh, <we're>, no buckets <laughs> were required, although we, we did have the vomit cam up there at the expo. I was watching the people play VR because we were waiting.
1: Exactly. We
0: wondered if it was going to happen, and it didn't. But yeah, th- there was definitely there was some... some uh, uh, anticipation in the part of the developers. Uh, that that, maybe that could be a thing.
1: Yeah, that is just one of the many hurdles uh, VR is going to have to overcome. Like
0: it is. Plus, it requires such a such a smooth frame rate.
1: You have to have oh, yeah. it. Oh it, yeah. It's like it, it's you know I understand why people are excited for this technology. We've certainly had people who are very 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 excited about VR. Think it's going to be the future of video games. I'm like no and that's not anything to do with the tech you know with the like concept it's more it's going to cost a bundle
0: yeah there was actually an interesting video put up on uh, extra credits today i know you're not a huge fan of them about okay i understand that vr is a cool new thing but there are some serious hurdles it's facing and yeah. stuff like not being packaged in with everything and the price of adoption and the fact that it's really only worth doing with games that are really good for it which usually yeah. means games developed for it specifically. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's think about 3D movies and 3D TVs and how that was all the the rage. And I, I don't use my 3D TV for 3D ever. <laughs> I mean, it's I have one. I have the glasses. They're still in the box. I've never opened it. <laughs> but I think I even bought one 3D movie, so I could say I had one. But I haven't watched it. Yeah. And Pierre's <laughs> technically able to take 3D Blu-rays, but never going to use it. Yeah. And that's and I think that VR is not as as uh, fringe as 3D TV, but the 3D movies were the same way. It's like one movie was made for 3D and then every movie added it, and it was awful. But, you know, mm-hmm. it yeah. was.
1: Or what, if you, you have one especially the spots? one with the,
0: with the lighting problems, because yeah. 3D dims yeah. things.
1: Yeah, or if you want a more video gamey analog uh, motion control.
0: Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> We're trying, man. We're trying. <laughs> One of these days. I mean, every futuristic movie has it. We're eventually going to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and here's another question Are you targeting a specific headset? There's another thing. Like, it's not just one headset, there's going to be, like, two major ones in PC space. That's not even counting PSVR, but, you know, it's going to be the Rai versus the, uh, the Rift.
0: Well, that's, and that's the thing, is there's already so many players in this thing, and they're cannibalizing each other or trying to get titles. And mm-hmm. it's I, I think that may be more dangerous for VR than just the fact that it's it's a fringe technology. Right. Because if you get that many competitors, you're going to end up getting, you know, each person gets one game, or you have to own them all, and all, all the different headsets. I'm like, nobody can do that.
1: Yeah. Not unless they are very, very rich, because the the, the Oculus Rift costs like six hundred dollars.
0: Yeah,
1: you know it's like the
0: Spoiler, This kind of shit happened, you know, back in the early days of PCs, and yeah. those, some of those companies aren't around anymore. Yeah, so, it's like some of those video cards back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, anyway, I'm um, uh, getting down to the engine. You guys
0: uh, use UE4. Yes, Siri, and boy do I love it. And why do I love it so much? Because I used CryEngine first. That's why I love UE4. <laughs> I'm
1: like, um, well, how do the two compare? Uh, yeah. um,
0: so far as I know, other than there are there, uh, inevitable quirks, um, some things about Unreal just drive me nuts, and Blueprint and, you know, Blueprint is super powerful and super awesome and has some silly things that I disagree with, but I can work around Um it's super powerful. It's super accessible. Our producer is a programmer. Our lead designer is a programmer. Everyone's a programmer in this game because everyone can use Blueprint. Um, I think that is, that is... They've made it super accessible. I mean, you really need to understand programming to get too deep into it, but right. it's it's still very usable. But I think the engine is uh, pretty magnificent as far as its power and, and the things it's capable of. The, the things that they are least... Prepared for, unfortunately, our multiplayer things, which does make things a little challenging at times.
1: Oh, so, well,
0: um, what kind of multiplayer hangups does UE4 have? Well, it didn't really have anything built in. For it. No matchmaking. Oh. No, you know, no chat. Oh. None of that stuff was in there, uh, just out of the box. So, you know, we had to divert programming resources to deal with that, but. It Still, everything else was so readily available that it was the best way for us to go.
1: Well, uh, did you look at like the Unity engine for Descent?
0: Um, we did. Um, we felt like the, the graphics power of Unreal, was, especially with UE4 having just come out, mm-hmm. uh, was really where we wanted to go with this game, because you need that for a good six-degree freedom game, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not disagreeing. It, it's just it, it's so rare to meet somebody who isn't working in Unity.
0: Um, Unity is also very accessible. Yeah, um, uh, and I think that anyone who's very small indie, I I would recommend it.
1: Oh yeah, b- believe me, we we have, we've had a number of indie devs who are very like two man or one man teams who worked in Unity.
0: Yep, <laughs> and I I I perfectly agree with that. I uh, you know. I would recommend either engine, but Mm -hmm. um, I think that you have to decide what things you want out of the engine are, and that will guide your choice.
1: Oh, no doubt, no doubt. So uh, what led to the decision to uh, go multiplayer first? Um,
0: There's a lot of different parts of that. For one thing, it is you need all the things that you need for multiplayer to do single player plus a bunch more things. And multiplayer lets you get things in and balance and working together before you then try to use them in interesting ways to confuse players with the single player. Um, but also, I mean, for, for a lot of us, that's our experience, the and this differs in the audience dramatically. Our experience was all about the multiplayer. That's how, I mean, Origin was networked back in the day, and we played all those games multiplayer. Mm-hmm. so you know to us that's that's one of our best memories in the sense. Um, I mean I still like the single player too and I don't get me wrong I do not do not want to uh, short the, the single player at all I just but multiplayer seemed like the most sensible way to go and the way to get people playing the game faster
1: mm. and uh,
0: how is early access been for you guys <laughs> early access is open development in general and early access in particular is it's very much a mixed bag. I mean, it's great that people can play the game and provide feedback and, you know, help guide the game and feel invested in the game. And it's awful that people can play the game and give feedback and feel invested in the game. So, you know, it's... Um, it, it's There are always going to be loud people who don't like what you do, whatever you do, um, and you know it a lot sooner. Um, in like the old days when it was just like, Here's what you get. Too bad. That's gone. You know, I mean, we shipped the game and we never thought about it again. I mean, we didn't talk to anybody about it until it was out. Mm-hmm. But now, now it's, it's a constant process. And it changes the way you develop because a lot of t- times you just would charge ahead, next thing, next thing, next thing. And here it's next thing, next thing. Okay, go back and do that thing again because it, it's not being received well. Okay, next thing, wait, back and do that thing again broken next thing oh wait now back and do that so you know it, it changes the development cycle considerably but it certainly it since iteration is kind of the key in design um, it, it sort of helps us because we have a much bigger test bed of people to iterate with us
1: on that and early access is also a bit of a risky venture because well let's face it early access is a pretty sour reputation these days because you know there are so many unfinished broken never coming out games on Steam these days.
0: Yeah, I know. And that—that that is definitely, I mean, if you think about it, both early access and crowdfunding in general have kind of taken some hits recently. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a dangerous place to be because of that perception. And I know there are a ton of people on Steam who just flat out won't buy the game until it's finished. And that's great. But you know what? I don't I don't blame them. Right. Um,
2: anyway.
0: But I appreciate the people who get there early and, and can help us and can, you know, help make the game better.
1: Well, uh, what kind of feedback do, does your audience leave?
0: Um, it, it, it it ranges very, very widely. Um, it's, some of it is, you know, really detailed. Here's what's wrong. Here's why. Here's a picture of it. You know, really great just helping us fix things and make them better. Some of it is, you know, multi-page rants. About how this is in Descent, where's my pyro, and blah, blah, blah. And any, anywhere in between. A lot of people provide us like stats and numbers from Descent. We have um, people who worked on uh, the Descent um, Retro I and mean, Rebirth, um, XX Rebirth, I guess is the official name, that have helped us, provide us with numbers and stuff from Descent. So we had Springboard for some of our initial numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they're a wellspring of knowledge. They provide tons of content. They build stuff. You know, lots of enthusiasm, lots of passion, and lots of disagreement on how everything should be.
1: Uh, I can imagine. And uh, well, how do you deal with uh, things like player balance?
0: Um, For me, that is, like, the golden rule of my job so i mean i always am thinking about that it's like uh, that that sense of fairness has to persist in, in design um if i give you this thing i have to take something away or i have to give this other person this thing uh so i spend many many hours in more spreadsheets balancing things um and that is going to continue to evolve because the next thing we have to balance is Leveling and tech trees and how that balances matchmaking and blah, 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 blah. So there, there, there will never be an end to the spreadsheeting.
1: I don't doubt it. Uh, anyway, so we're getting low on time. so Just a couple more questions. Um, what kind of timeline are you looking at in terms of development? Like, uh, When do you, like, you project like you're going to be content-complete-sentence? Uh,
0: um well I mean that's, that that hinges on a lot because it's how big we get to make the single player very much controls that. Um you know it, it's it's going to be a while before we can get all the single player done that we want. Um so we don't have any official date for that. Um but I think we're expecting the multiplayer to be done a lot sooner. it just uh depends on which order we do things in. Um so I don't I don't have an official time. Fair
1: enough, and uh, my final question at this point is, um, as far as pricing goes, how much is the game right now, and is it going to stay that way throughout development, or is that going to change?
0: It is currently $30. Um, Of course, we hit some of the Steam sales, and we've done some big discounts and small discounts. Um, Discounts have been getting progressively smaller each sale. And eventually, the price itself is going to go up because we expect the game to be fifty or sixty dollars at release. Okay. So, so th- now it's a great deal.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you're doing the Minecraft model.
0: Yes. Yeah. Basically. All right. Well. Although probably spending slightly less time in beta than Minecraft did. We, we could call this an extended alpha for all I care, but you know, it, it, all that matters is is it finished or not. I mean, Gmail was in beta for what ten years. Does did it. anyone care? <laughs> you can turn the beta flag back on if you miss it. That is an excellent feature.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that is a good point. And uh, anyway, um, thank you for joining us uh, today, Rob. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, it's like it's certainly been a wonderful interview. A lot longer than we had anticipated, but that's always good. You know, I, you
0: know what? I had nothing else to do <laughs> other than work on tech trees, and I, honestly, my eyes were starting to swim from tech trees. So.
1: Uh, But, yeah, hopefully we'll have you on the program again when um, Descent is in a more complete
0: state. Sure. You guys can pop in and play some Descent against us, and we'll uh, show you the ropes. (laughs) Uh, I Show you how not to play. Honestly, half of us are are awful at the game, which is good, to be (laughs) honest. That that makes it easier to balance.
1: Perhaps if, if we can find the time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you Well know, that, that goes for all of us,
0: I think. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, it's like we're, we're like we're always playing games on this pro- program. It, it it's weird when it's your job.
0: Yeah, you have to be. you have to be ready to talk about games with the people who you're interviewing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 difficult for developing when you're doing development too, especially when you're working long hours. It's like when you get home, you don't want to play a game necessarily. <laughs> if you do, it it needs to be a very different game than the one you've been working on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is bad because I need to be researching games that are like mine, as opposed to you know that's right. it's it's a toss up. It's it's a very de- delicate balance there. All
1: right, so that'll about do it for uh, this installment. Um, anyway, um, but you know we're going to be uh, back on Friday with MSB. I uh, I don't know how the Blue Monday thing is going. Uh, Mac hasn't given an update recently. Uh, let's see, on Sunday we're doing the um, Strawberry Vinegar Review. Um, on We're having another Tuesday interview next week with Ralph Egas of Abstraction Games. They are a porthouse out of Denmark, and they just recently converted A Boy and His Blob to Steam, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. Uh, the that- original A Boy and His Blob or the new one? The Wii Remake. Okay. Yeah, it's like no, no, not the original NES one.
0: Yeah. NES is pretty easy to port. So
1: yeah, it's like, and on uh, next week on Wednesday we'll be having Adrian Pierce of East Asia Saw, a Hong Kong development studio that's currently working on a whole bunch of stuff for the PlayStation. I admittedly I need to do more research there. Yeah. This is kind of what happens when you have all of this on your plate. You kind of weaken areas, but anyway until all that happens, all I can do is you a good oh, uh Oh, one more thing. We will be bringing back the uh, topic of discussion next week. You know, we, uh, sorry it had to get cut, but, you know, this is kind of what happens when you lose a half an hour of recording time.
0: We have a few pages of notes on of the Dragon, and we'll be glad to discuss that with you some other time.